You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 301, Understanding the Gospels. And we're going to be talking about Mark, the Gospel of Mark. And I'll just say up front, I'm a little bit biased because Mark is uh, my favorite gospel, if it's possible to have a favorite. Uh, I've written one book on Mark, and I've got a manuscript for a second one kind of underway that, that I've been kind of working on and off and on, uh, on discipleship in Mark. So, so definitely Mark is one that I've spent a lot of time in. I've done a lot of research, a lot of studies. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, why, why is that? Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the text. But suffice it to say, Mark was the first gospel. It was the first one written, and it was the one that Matthew and Luke both really drew most of or, or, or so much of their information from and added other um, stuff as well. But Mark was the first gospel written by a very interesting man that we really don't know a whole lot about. And, you know, it's interesting because when you think about it, uh, you buy a book today and you flip it over. I'm looking at one of my books right now, and on the back I've got a little, I got a picture of myself and a bio. And um, you know, most authors have that. You flip over the book, you know, there's a, a an author description, who they are, what else they've written, some of their accomplishments, maybe a picture. You know, first century writers didn't give us that, and so the question becomes, how do we find out who Mark is? Because he's he like so many other people in the New Testament, it's a bit of an enigma. Um, he's referred to a few times. Uh, Paul refers to him. Uh, they talk about him in Acts a little bit. Uh, Peter mentions him. But, but other than that, and, and, and where he is mentioned, it's just very, very briefly. The, the, the most material we get in the book of Acts, we're told a little bit, and what we get is not very flattering. So how do we find out, how do we learn a little bit more about this really interesting person? And Mark himself possibly gives us a clue uh, about a little of his background. Um, when you're reading through Mark and you get to chapter 14, this is where Jesus was arrested and you know he's in the Garden of, of Gethsemane praying and um, there's just this little little snippet, just two verses or actually three. but this is Mark 1450 to 52. And as Jesus was arrested, uh, Mark inserts these verses. Then everyone else deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Now this is a fascinating insertion because it adds nothing to the story. Um, in fact, it, it, it really doesn't contribute anything to the gospel at all, especially what, what Mark is trying to say, except maybe say something about Mark himself. Because we do know the early church met 
at Mark's house. That's We find that out in the book of Acts. His house was a, a meeting place for the church. And many scholars think that Mark's house was where Jesus and his disciples celebrated the Last Supper before his arrest and crucifixion. So if that's the case, this gives us some fascinating insight because Mark was a young guy. He wasn't invited to the Last Supper. And when Jesus and the disciples left the house to, to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus could pray, Mark decided to follow at a distance wearing just his bed clothes, wearing his pajamas, basically. And, you know, one of the, the arresting soldiers or temple police saw him lurking in the shadows after they arrested Jesus and grabbed at him and managed to just grab his, his clothes, and, and, and Mark ran away naked. So fascinating little little account of, of Mark's early life. If this is actually him, it tells us much. It tells, him, tells us that obviously he wasn't a, a disciple, which we already knew, but he did have contact with the disciples. You know, I, I get this picture of Mark maybe standing outside the door, listening in during the Last Supper. Um, you know, what a what an interesting idea, the fact that he was able to be around Jesus and the disciples and, and, and in some ways see some of the things that was going on. Well, what else do we know about Mark? Well, one of the early church fathers tells us a little bit about him. Um, he says this, uh, Papias said that, Mark, having become the interpreter of Peter, wrote down accurately whatsoever he remembered. It was not, however, in exact order that he related the sayings or deeds of Christ, for he neither heard the Lord nor accompanied him. But afterwards, as I said, he accompanied Peter, who accommodated his instructions to the necessities of his hearers, but with no intention of giving a regular narrative of the Lord's sayings. Wherefore, Peter... Wherefore Mark made no mistake in thus writing some things as he remembered them, for of one thing he took special care, not to omit anything he had heard and not to put anything fictitious into the statements. Well, this tells us so much about the Gospel of Mark because if this is true, what the early church father said, and this would, he, would, he wrote this in the um, early 2nd century, and if, if, if what he's telling us is true, then really the gospel of Mark is actually the gospel of Peter as written by Mark or recorded by Mark. Because the sayings, the stories, the teachings, everything in the gospel was was recounted uh, by Peter and Mark wrote it down as he shared it. Now obviously Mark fashioned it and uh, put it in or, you know the order that he wanted and he he, he he really did a great job of assembling this incredible um, gospel. But we also see the personality of Peter um, throughout the book. We also know about Mark's background. Um, he accompanied Paul. Before he, he was with Peter, he, he spent time with Paul. And we can trace this together again from the church fathers. Um, but we, we know that uh, early in Paul's ministry... He and Barnabas, and, and Barnabas and, and Mark were related, probably cousins, and they went on a missionary trip, the first missionary journey. And, and, and Barnabas said, hey, let's take along my, my cousin. He can help us. He can carry our bags. He can make arrangements for us. He can um, you know, serve us in some way. But what we know is Mark deserted them early in the trip, and it infuriated Paul. It infuriated him enough that when they got ready, Barnabas and Paul got ready to go on their second trip, uh, Barnabas said, hey, let's take Mark along. And Paul said, no, he deserted us last time. And the argument was so great, we find out in, in Acts 15, that the two men split up. Paul went his way. He took Silas 
and Barnabas went his way and took Mark with him. And, you know, this is fascinating on so many levels. There's so much we could talk about this. You know, the fact that that Barnabas was that guy who gave people a chance. In fact, he had given Paul a chance when none of the other disciples wanted to have anything to do with Paul because he had been a persecutor of the church and they thought maybe his conversion was just a trick to, to, to lure them in. Uh, Barnabas gave him a chance. So Barnabas was the guy who gave people second chances. But later in, in Paul's ministry, he, he begins to, in his letters, he begins to refer to Mark again. And he says, listen, if, if Mark shows up, greet him, take care of him. And in Paul's last letter, 2 Timothy, he, he writes to Timothy and he says, listen, man, come visit me before I'm executed, essentially is what he's saying. And he says, and bring John Mark with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. So Paul and, and, and John Mark had worked out their issues. They had come full circle. And uh, it wasn't long after this that Paul was executed. And sometime during this mix, uh, Mark John Mark went and, and began to serve Peter. And this is when he began to write down um, what Peter said. And, you know, this is interesting because um, we know that at some point, probably within a couple of years of each other, uh, maybe even a shorter period than that. Some scholars think they were executed executed during the same year. Uh, Peter was executed as well. Uh, Paul, the Roman citizen, had the easy execution of having you know his head chopped off, being beheaded. Uh, Peter was crucified. Some traditions say he was crucified by his request upside down because he wasn't worthy to die in the same manner his Lord Lord had died. And John Mark was 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 there with him. He was there assisting Paul at the end. He was there assisting Peter at the end. Somehow he got away. Somehow he got away. And, you know, we don't really know um, a lot of what happened later on. But what we do know, and again, this is from, from church history, um, later, later on, John Mark's ministry carried him to Alexandria, Egypt as a missionary. Um, he's said to have planted a number of churches there before being put to death for his faith. So this was a, a really interesting man in the early church. He wasn't an apostle, yet he was connected closely with the apostles. And he was the guy who, because Barnabas gave him a second chance, and he was able to work things out with, with, with Paul and his connection with Peter, you know, he wrote the first gospel. So really, really powerful um, stuff there. And, and I would encourage you to check out my book, New Testament Snapshots. That'll be one of our resource highlights. But um, the, uh, the, there's a whole chapter in there on John Mark and um, some other material that we just don't have time for here. So let's, uh, let's take a break here, and let me just go ahead and give you those, those resource highlights. The first one, as we said, is New Testament Snapshots. This is a, a fascinating look at 12 of the lesser-known characters in the New Testament. These are people that are kind of maybe, maybe hiding in the background. We don't really have um, a lot of information about them like John Mark. I mean, he gave us a gospel, but then we're given just little snippets here and there of his, his life, and we're tr we have to kind of put it together. And so... By all means, check it out. Click on, click on the link. It'll take you to Amazon. You can read a chapter or so and kind of get a feel for it. But the second resource highlight is my book, Miracles and Mark. This was the second book I wrote. And this, this book actually goes in, in, and does an in-depth study of the text of Mark, at least in the sense of looking at the miracles and the supernatural things 
that Mark records. Mark contains more miracles, more supernatural um, things done at the hands of Jesus than any of the other Gospels. And, and, and there's, a, there, there's specific reasons for that. And we'll talk about some of those in just a second. But, um, but, but looking at the reason Jesus did what he did and what did these miracles signify are very, very important. So Miracles in Mark is one of those books that's great for personal Bible study. It's great for um, group Bible study. There's discussion questions at the end of each chapter, and, and I know you'll really, really enjoy it. So click on the link and check it out. Well, all right, let's jump back in. We've talked about the background, or at least a little of the background, of John Mark himself. Now let's talk about his gospel. As we said, Mark spent time in the city of Rome. He was there with Paul. He was there with Peter. We don't know how long he stayed after uh, Paul's execution or Peter's execution, but we know that there was a thriving church there in Rome, and there's some uh, internal evidence, even in the gospel and in Paul's writings, to indicate that possibly uh, Mark had a, had a strong connection to that church. Maybe he served in some leadership capacity, maybe as one of the pastors. Maybe he was the pastor. We just don't know. But there's plenty of evidence to indicate that he was in Rome for, for, for some period of time. And, and this gospel is very clearly written to the Roman church. And we know that for several reasons. First of all, um, it, it's, it's obviously written to a non-Jewish audience because he has to explain all the, the Jewish things that, that happened in the life of Jesus. Some of the, the traditions, some of the, the, the conflict with Jesus and the Pharisees, he has to explain why those things are issues. Uh, one of the other reasons we believe that, that Mark was written to the church in, in Rome is there's no uh, background on Jesus' early life. Um, there's, there's no birth story like you get in Matthew or Luke. There's no genealogy that, that you get like you get in the other Gospels. And again, there's even reasons for this. Mark's Gospel, the theme of Mark's Gospel, has, has usually been understood to be Jesus the Servant. Jesus the servant. And this comes from Mark 10.45 where Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is the theme that you see throughout the book of Mark is Jesus coming as a servant, um, taking that lower place, coming to serve humanity, ultimately by even giving his life for humanity. So Jesus... Jesus the servant is, is, the, is the theme, and this explains why there's no genealogy. Who cares where the servant comes from, right? Nobody cares about a servant's genealogy. But, but even at the very beginning, we, we get this idea that Mark is written to the church at Rome. Um, the very first verse says this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark 1.1, 1, 1, the gospel, this is the gospel, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, very clearly here, Mark is taking a shot. He's taking a poke at Caesar. Because Caesar, the ruler of Rome, was actually said to be the Son of God. You can find coins, Google it if you don't believe me, you'll see coins from the first century that have Caesar's image on them and the words Son of the Divine or Son of God on them. And so here in the very first verse, Jesus 
is said to be the Son of God. So Mark is taking aim at at Roman authority and, and Roman power. In fact, this one verse would have probably been enough to have him executed, put to death for treason, because only, there could only be one true Son of God, and that was Caesar. So so this is, is very revolutionary. Some other distinctives of the text um, as we, we talk about Mark. And again, the whole reason we're doing this series is just to help you as, as we move into to a new year to maybe get more out of your Bible reading, to get more out of your Bible study. I want you to understand what you're reading. Um, you know, we can read and we can learn and we can draw things. We can, we can you know, definitely pick up things you know, by reading, but when we've got a little context uh, on who wrote the book and why it was written, it always helps us to go deeper. So another distinctive of Mark's book is it has less teaching than the other Gospels. Remember Matthew, last week we talked about, um, was written to a Jewish audience, so there's so much teaching in there. The Sermon on the Mount, there's actually five. Remember we talked about the five um, teachings of Jesus that are that are presented in, in Matthew's gospel. But in Mark, the, the teaching is very limited. It's very simple. Uh, Mark focuses much more on what Jesus did, the, the miracles, the signs, the supernatural things that he did. That's what would have attracted a Roman audience. They were used to going to the Colosseum and watching gladiator fights, and they were a people of action, conquering and going forth with their army and their military. And, um, you know, they were, they were a people of action. And, and, and Mark is, is writing to this audience that, that is going to really get more out of a fast-paced um, presentation of life, the life of Jesus than they would out of the Gospel of Matthew or even the Gospel of Luke, which we'll talk about next week. So, so Mark presents more of what Jesus did than what he said. But it's interesting when you look at what teaching he did present. Um, very interesting. One example. He presents Jesus um, teaching on, on the, the different types of soil, the, the, the rocky soil, the soil that was um, guarded by the, the thorns, the, the hard soil, and then the good soil, and, and the type of fruit that, that those types of soil produce. So this would have been a parable that the Romans would have related to. They were, even though the city, um, you know, people lived in the city might not have been able to relate to it, but the um, so many of them, you know, this is an agricultural society. Um, they had to grow their food. Um, so, so anyway, the, this idea of this parable would have been very um, I- encouraging and, and something they would have learned from. So this is one. And then there's other teachings that, that, that Mark presents, but they're very, very few, and they're very, very specific, and they're very, very focused. So we've talked about the background of Mark himself. And we've talked about the text. And remember what we said, Mark, even though it's the second gospel listed, um, it's actually the, the first one that was written. And it's the one that Matthew and Luke both drew from. So when, when I read Mark, I feel like I'm getting kind of the, 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 the original, the first edition. And it's not to say that Matthew and Luke aren't inspired and, and God doesn't speak through them. Obviously, He does. I love both of them. But you know, Mark is, is the one, again, that resonates with me. Which gospel resonates with you? You know, we all have, have something when we read the scriptures that maybe speaks to us a little bit more clearly. Well, listen, I'd love to hear from you. What, what are your thoughts on the gospel of Mark? Let me know what your, uh, your thoughts are. Let me know also which one's your favorite gospel. Let's talk about it. It's always fun to kind of 
hear what other people think. And uh, let's, uh, let's keep the, the conversation going. You can leave me a question or comment at davidspell.com. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so you don't miss a single episode. Well, friends, thanks for being with me, and we will see you next week on Leading and Learning.